Welcome to Painters Today. My name is Lucy Cox and in conjunction with the Prizeman Seabrook Collections, I will be presenting a series of podcasts featuring contemporary artists active in the United Kingdom today. You can subscribe to these podcasts via SoundCloud and my blog, the links to which can be found in the description. For more information regarding the Prizeman Seabrook Collections, visit prizemanseabrook.org. This is episode six, Recognising the Familiar, featuring Natalie Dowes. You can follow Natalie on Twitter at Natalie Dowes and Instagram at natalie.dowes. And don't forget to like this episode and subscribe via SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash painters today podcast. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 23 carousels. That's the numbers 23 and the word carousels to receive regular updates, pictures and more. paintings in the Prizeman Seabrook collection. Yes. Olga 1, 2 and 3. That's right. So um, I made those paintings back in 2006, uh, which is quite a terrifying thought really. Um, So um, they are a small series within a a series. So it was a whole um, body of work I made based on mainly Eastern Bloc gymnasts of a certain era. So um, when I was a child I used to do a lot of gymnastics and was always really aware of particularly Olga Corbett and Nadia Comaneci Mm. and I think even um, maybe not a really really young generation but I think you know those two gymnasts are still really well known amongst the general public when they perhaps don't know any other gymnast's name Um, and there there were several reasons for that but um, so um, I wanted to make um, a series of, of work based on, on these gymnasts that I knew about as a child, but actually wouldn't have witnessed watching those Olympic Games on television. Um, being two, yeah, I think I was two years old when Olga came to uh, you know, uh, become well known as a gymnast and you know um, it became into the <laughs> public consciousness, if you like. So. Um, 
but I always knew who they were. Um, the gym I went to had their posters on the wall. Um, you know, they're just they're just names that you know they they're just well known. I think probably at the time there was a change in the sport, and they were seen as these little impish children who were actually adults um, doing these amazing acrobatics and those particular artists of that era, the, the 70s into the 80s, really did change the sport. So um, to make those paintings, obviously I hadn't um, witnessed this experience and um, I managed to source some uh, video footage that, that was videoed from television. It was actually American footage and obviously uh, enthusiasts sell and copy things like this uh, on eBay, uh, it's a couple of pounds or so. So I um, got a uh, video tape through the post with this footage of the 1972 Olympic Games and the 1976 Olympic Games and um, set about using this kind of imagery. So if you could imagine that this had been recorded from television in the 70s and then obviously um, had been copied goodness knows how many times on a VHS video you know someone doing it at home copying this video footage probably recorded maybe straight from television I'm not sure um, and how this footage was quite degraded and then um, what I did is I, I played the, the footage and I took photographs from the television screen so again I was distancing you know, distance myself you know, from the original event through copying a videotape um, and then taking snapshots of the television. And so by the time I got the source material to use, it's very degraded um, with um, glitches. And quite often in that series of work, you'll see that I've actually painted the glitches in. Um, so that's how I, I got the source material. So it sort of stems from an interest that I always had in that sport, a sort of mythology about those gymnasts that are captured as these little impish ingenues. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're, they're captured in that time, you know, despite that now that, you know, they're Olga Corbett's, she must be maybe in her 60s or so. But also, um, whilst I was researching that, I started to read and also get a lot of books from, from the time, you know, gymnastic annuals, because it became very um, popular uh, in the UK particularly, and, um, and I think that they were part of the Soviet machine, this sort of sports propaganda that was used to, you know, to show brilliance of their, their sportsmen and women and when you, you look deeper into some of those stories about those gymnasts and the treatment um, and the problems that may have been there or are recorded to be there um, with eating disorders and overworking and you know not having any, any freedom and being controlled to then go and produce these amazing performances that the rest of the world see and we remember this beautiful lovely performance mm -hmm. and the smiles or you know but then there's all this pain behind that and they're they're not they're not children Olga Corbett was 17 years old and 23 years old when she was at those two Olympic Games um, obviously despite looking 
prepubescent really mm. so and you know looking in into that and it was a you know that that, that series but also um, with all of the paintings you'll notice that none of the gymnasts are in action they're not tumbling they're not on the beam it's actually the shots between those periods so maybe when they've just run off the podium and they're celebrating or they're sitting in the sidelines perhaps feeling nervous or they're sat at the side after receiving you know a bad result or you know all those kind of in-between stages showing these um, you know these people preparing themselves or you know um, in the spotlight but in the in the sidelines um, I didn't want to make paintings that were just you know gymnasts um, you know doing beautiful somersaults I wanted to capture those in between moments and obviously I couldn't have ever experienced that so I need to rely on photography which I use a lot in my work mm. I needed to rely obviously on this footage but I felt like I was taking it for my own um, for my own and painting those images and obviously the nature of painting being much slower than a snapshot photograph and how you know I, I suppose you can start to empathize with those characters in your painting so you know um yeah so it just came from one of my obsessions which has then led into looking more the political side or you know um the treatment of those young gymnasts and actually you know because it's i think we mythologize them a little and we we put them on a pedestal quite rightly so but there was this very I don't know because that most of the gymnasts I paint and the, what, most of the gymnasts that were successful at the time were from the nations that were behind the Iron Curtain. So there, there were Russian, Romania in particular, East Germany. Um, you know, the sport really did come to prominence and came through gymnasts from those nations, which has obviously changed now. But even last week, I was watching a documentary um, on iPlayer. And I think it's it, uh, one of the Storyville uh, documentaries. And even now, I mean, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It's a, a documentary about uh, it was rhythmic gymnastics, and it was following a Russian gymnast. And even now, it seemed um, quite cliched the way I was quite shocked actually, and cliched about how the way she was treated by the coaches, and very stern. And and it it just seemed like it seemed like that that idea of the strong russian coach coaching the gymnasts was still was still there and it's quite astounding i think you know it's, it's still available to watch now um and i i don't think uh, obviously british gymnastics has come to the fore um and i i really don't think our gymnasts are coached in that way i, I really don't think so but it's almost like the, the you know this kind of i don't know this kind of still is kind of it seemed like I was watching a cliche almost mm. from something that I you know how, how the sport may have been in those times maybe it's just nostalgia mm. I don't know but that that's where they came from um, and that's how they came about really yeah. so mm. um, yeah <laughs> and borrowing images and yeah. video footage has played yeah. a large part in your work and it still yeah. does doesn't it um, oh yeah. yes it does um, Sometimes I will use my own photography. Um, sometimes I will uh, make very low resolution films just using basic digital cameras or, or now actually uh, my smartphone um, and capture images from moving footage. Sometimes it's uh, stolen images, but 
say stolen, let's say borrowed yeah, let's, images. Let's, let's say um, appropriated. Appropriated yeah. images yeah. that I gather. So, I mean, obviously in the case of, of the gymnasts, you know, I, I couldn't have possibly painted those without that. So, um, so I, and there's another series of work I've made before where I've um, used images from, from the internet and used those. Again, very low resolution, very low quality. So it's a mixture of my own source material, appropriated source material, and actually in the past, um, appropriated artworks um, in some cases. Uh, yeah, so. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So what's, uh, like attracted, what's attracted you about the idea of appropriating other images or other the source source material like what what compelled you to to start doing that yeah um it's funny actually because I went, when I was a, a student I remember using photography um because I was using my own body and dancing and moving around to make uh paintings and I felt yeah you know, I wouldn't have been able to make the drawings and paintings that, that I'd made without the photography um, so I suppose, and at the time I do remember um, when I was at art school that sometimes working for photography at that time, or in that particular college or whatever the personalities were, it was a little bit looked down upon. But I think it's obviously something now that artists, many, many artists are using mm, in lots yeah, of different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's artists like Gerhard Richter who have been using appropriation and using the photographic image mm. for years and years. Mm. Um, and right. so, yeah, an artist like, um, maybe not in, in the same style as Gerhard Richter, but people like Sigmar Polka, yeah, of course. Uh, Richard yeah. Hamilton, kind of incorporating yeah. source material. Yeah, and you know, if you think, I don't know, you, you, you might think, um, obviously it's sort of photorealist, but then you've got Marlene Dumas who mm, uses photographs, yeah. but obviously he's painting in a very loose, very different yeah. different way. Yeah. So there's a lot of artists, you know, using, being able to use photography, um, digital imagery in their work, but be quite inventive with it. And I think it it's, um, you know, certainly something, a, a tool, it's a tool to be, mm. to, or a tool that can be used yeah. you know um yeah and is widely That's used right. yeah. yeah and i know that, that in your in your personal statement you know you touch upon it as being a tool and you say um that you work from close examination of the photographic image or extracted film still mm -hmm. um derived from surveillance documentation yeah. and the scrutiny of various locations to make fictional mm -hmm. scenarios mm -hmm. um which form the basis of you know of many different things like your paintings your you know your drawings and installations as well yeah. and, and your videos could you discuss more about that idea of you know the fictional scenarios yeah I suppose um, yeah part of that comes from it's not it's not something they do all the time but uh, so sometimes I will use a straightforward image and make a stand alone painting most of the time I work in series because I, I find myself um, getting obsessed with something maybe particular and I feel that I can't say that in one painting so I often work in series but it makes sense when you think about I'm very interested in or sometimes use footage from film and how film you know there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of images to make that moving image 
or you know I feel I just I just can't do kind of explore things with one image and the fictional scenarios is where um, I've made some paintings where I actually splice um, different photographs together so I might use two or three uh, different photographs to make mm, make yeah, an image. You were showing me some earlier. Yeah, yeah. and I think that I like to. Um, I don't. My my works not by any any chalk, <laughs> chalk no. Not by any stretch of the imagination. It's not photo realism, um, you know. But I I don't mind there being a nod to the photographic source in my work. So when there's a glitch or a light flare. You know, I'm quite happy to paint that in mm, my painting. Yeah. Um, and again, when splicing these images together, the idea of questioning what you think is a, a reality, and obviously you can make a, a very fictional scenario, mm. but because there might be, it might may look, you know, that there might be some things that suggest that's from a photographic source, that perhaps that becomes a believable image mm. and you know it's it, it's yeah. fake it, it's collaged yeah. if you like yeah. so I, I'd collage yeah. it in photoshop and then then mm. work from that but it's mm. it's not I don't always make work yeah. like that I just uh, dip in and out of those two you know these three, three, two or three days yeah. but yeah it's usually in series or you know um, manipulated um, in that way mm. Mm. And, I, and I know as well you've um you know we've touched on that and, and you've said that um, that you're interested in the validity um, and the truth of the lens-based based image. Yeah, yeah which is, which I think is really interesting. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, we? absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, there's an old saying, a very old saying: the camera never lies. Mm, yeah. Okay, so uh, of course the camera does lie. <laughs> so especially with the advancement of, of you know technology. So um, you know Photoshop image manipulation, digital imagery. And even today I, I, I saw something on, on, on Twitter where uh, a prominent individual um, had uh, used an image, maybe unbeknownst to them, but was a doctored image and it changed the whole meaning of that image. So I suppose I, I kind of like this idea, you know, that the people, I don't know, I think people look at for, photographs as, as fact mm. but it's actually not always the case yeah, even yeah. before image manipulation mm. or anything like that you you could an editor of a newspaper or uh, the photographer could could choose and in you know you're not seeing what's beyond that picture plane so you course, might yeah. not get the right message or things may be cropped out of a photograph yeah. um, so even without massive digital manipulation which obviously we live with all the time now from looking at covers of magazines or, you know, um, even fake news, if you like. <laughs> you know, it could be, yeah. you know, that trusting the, the images and what you see in a photograph is, is the real story. So I'm quite, quite fascinated by that. And also going back, I suppose, going back, I mean, um, from the, you know, when uh, photography was first invented, say, and was first used, and and thinking about Baudelaire and his um, essay, the painter of modern life, and and so on, and and how you know this almost cliche thing about painting being dead. Now, obviously, at the invention of photography was um, one of the times there where painting may have 
uh, it might, may have come into question that this medium could replace painting. But in fact, what it has done is enabled artists to do more with painting, as far as I can see, mm. capturing things that you wouldn't be able to capture perhaps with the human eye or, 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 or do purely do from memory, that you've got this um, ability to put yourself in a place or, you know, see something that perhaps you couldn't see or wouldn't realise yeah. or, you know, and, and so, you know, I find that, that quite interesting and, um, you know, it's just something that um, I found that it's been quite consistent in my work probably over the last mm, 15 years or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I have worked in different ways, but about the last 15 years I'd say that's a, a consistent thing yeah. my work, to yeah. using that kind of imagery and source mm, material. Yeah. And that idea of the fictional scenarios has been in quite a few of what you say, yeah, and there's yeah. one series that I really like called called The Cuts Portraits, where, where you've where you've taken, um, or, you've, or you've photographed um, um, vid, um, videos, movies, of yeah. like screenshots of yeah. um, actors and actresses, yeah. Yeah. and then you've Manipulated them with cuts on on the cheeks. Oh, um, and and heightened the, the. Yeah, actually, they're they're not manipulated quite in that way. Mm. So, um, so the idea, I suppose, it's uh, they're cinematic. <laughs> yes, yeah, cinem- cinematic. Okay, um, edit that. Um, yeah, so they're 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 cliche. So what what I did is I had this. I wanted to make this work that, um, and it included. <laughs> watching a lot of films. It was a period in my life where I was watching lots of lots of films. Yeah. So I wanted to take this idea, this cut to the face, um, as a as a bit of a cliche really. And I, I watched films and until I found um protagonists that had cuts to their faces. Mm. So the cuts weren't added afterwards. Ah, okay, they actually okay, are something okay. that happens in the narrative of the film. Uh, right, yeah. Um yeah. but it's so very convenient that quite often they're quite beautifully placed in the right area of the, of the cheek. Yeah. You know, so mm, yeah, um, you've yeah. got. So I, I it involved to say look, watching lots of um, video, and then I would freeze frame <laughs> the DVD yeah. and take photographs direct from the yeah. TV screen, which um, gives a really strange sense of heightened colour. You often get streaks across it and imperfections, and it, it's an often quite fuzzy source material. But then what I did is I cropped right into the face. Um, I was only interested in, in that particular cut. Um, you know, so you, 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 you know, you have um, this idea that uh, there might have been an act of violence, but who knows, it could be a cut from a hornthorn bush or yeah. something like that, but we don't know because mm. we've taken that out of context. But of course, how in reality they're actors, it becomes, um, you know, it's fake, it's makeup, um, just playing with that idea that it's not, it's not the truth. Um, and I think when I painted those portraits, uh, I think I was quite careful in the rendering of the face, but um, quite <laughs> aware of using just a very simple red line uh, for, for the cut. Um, yeah, so it's, it's about parody, really. Mm. and. Um, yeah, so I made a whole series of those, um, and then that le- led on to uh, another series called Crocodile Tears, um, and it, again, it's from the same kind of source material. So looking for actors who were crying in films, um, and I th- and with those paintings, I stripped the colour out actually, and I I zoomed in 
even further into the face because with the cut paintings I was quite aware that in my idea I, I, I tend to get you know a, a concept or an idea that I want to follow and I wanted to just um, work with the, this idea of this fake reality and the fact that you know this is actors and but it, it may look violent or it may you know whatever however means ways they got injured but you know as I say perfectly placed cuts on the face so obviously when they're making the film you can see that yeah x y or z has been injured or been in a fight or, or something like that um but I was quite aware that actually a lot of people when viewing them <laughs> wanted to talk more about who who it was that was in the painting or try and identify whoever that was mm. and and sometimes they're very identifiable actors and other yeah. times not so yeah but I mm. kind of it, it's an obvious thing to happen but mm. I was a bit frustrated because it for me it wasn't about that so when I made the next series I cropped in even further mm. and um, I suppose I'm always playing around with ideas and the fact that you you could look at those paintings, mm. especially in isolation and not in series. I think it's quite important that they're seen in series. They might look overly sentimental, and obviously, it, the idea or the concept may not be so obvious at first about what I'm doing, and it's about you know these crocodile tears, these fake tears, um, this fake mm. reality, um, and and just taking that really. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's you know I, that's why I purposely cropped in further mm. into those because I <laughs> mm. um, yeah yeah so it, it's an obvious thing that people are going to be wanting of to course, do of course and of course yeah yeah well we were but talking, I can't, always yeah. can't get away from yeah. that to convey that concept yeah. or idea yeah so yeah that's, that's yeah. really interesting and, and early you know you touched upon parody and and uh, you know and, and conceptual ideas and we were talking about how your work has changed um i, I know it's been quite quite consistent over the past like 15 years yes yeah but prior to let's say the year 2000 or 1999 yeah, yeah. it was um slightly different wasn't it or was it yeah, yeah it was so um i was i was painting but i was also um making soft sculpture if you like at mm. the time um, I would occasionally dip into uh, making objects that are maybe formed a, a, an installation you know painting was a really strong part of that and I think that the paintings going back um, to that sort of period the paintings were still like now still have um, a, a concept if you like I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in conveying a particular idea and using the paint as a, a vehicle to get me to that idea yeah, yeah. Um, obviously I think about paint when I'm using it yeah um, and texture and surface but it more at the fore for me is is that the idea and the concept of the, the piece or series of work and I think that was that was still in my um, work then but it was maybe um, sort of painted some sometimes using a very different technique. So uh, there's a series I made um, based on horses. So um, I took um, 
George Stubbs whistle jacket painting. I'd seen it in um, National Gallery and um, I remember seeing this painting, very large, prominent painting, very famous painting. And it, it just stayed with me for days and days and it, it almost looked at the time um, quite fresh and contemporary because it, it's on this, um, it's on a very plain background and it kind of just, I guess, kept thinking actually it looks quite fresh. Um, and, and this painting stayed with me and I, I kept thinking about it and then I, I decided that I wanted to make some work from it. So um, I made some work. Uh, it was the same scale as Whistle Jacket. It was scaled down a bit because it's a huge painting, but I still made it. was a very large painting I made, I suppose, getting on for two metres square. And I painted uh, Whistle Jacket as a My Little Pony. So, um, using the appropriating the painting, um, but then actually painting it in vivid, bright, uh, I don't know, sort of turquoise and pink tail and mane mm -hmm. and they had the logo and then I had a like plastic diamond for its eyes and it had very <laughs> Disney um, eyelashes but as far as the rendering of the horse was concerned it was painted as, as closely as I could paint to to replicate um, whistle jacket um, and then I painted another piece that went with that called lost landscape and it was the landscape around it so the painting the horse was a white cutout and it had a landscape around it, partly based on a real landscape, but partly based on the packaging of a My Little Pony with sort of uh, illustrations of plastic styled flowers. Um, and, and then I made a few in that series in the same, in the same way. So extracting um, horses from George Stubbs paintings, taking them out of context and then painting them um, as My Little Pony. <laughs> um, and alongside that, I'd made um, uh, scaled up combs, you know, the plastic combs that you mm. get in to brush the mane um, out of scented candle wax and, you know, would exhibit those alongside the paintings. Um, so, and, and, and something else that springs to mind at the time I was painting ransom notes, which kind of relied on um, kind of uh, jokes, but bad, uh, not, not formal jokes, but sort of, uh, something that, when you put in the context of an art gallery, would 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 make sense. So, for example, you know, a ransom note makes a demand. Um, one of them, particularly, one of them uh, said, um, you know, I demand instant fame, or else the ego gets it, and <laughs> and things like that. But I I, I suppose um, this kind of work always relies on that next next big idea, or trying to kind of come up with <laughs> bad jokes I suppose um, and maybe I think I don't know maybe I think you may suggest my work may have matured a little yeah that's <laughs> so, what I, I thought that matured yeah you know I, maybe I that's got, it I got a feeling that <clears throat> you did do it at that time and you were young yeah and, you yeah know, and it's the kind of thing that you would do if if you were, I think, in art school or you just graduated, it's, yeah. it's those kind of and like the, playing the time, with like those you ideas. You know, when I made those paintings and, um, you know, YBAs were very prominent. And, yeah. You know, um, but I think essentially, you know, I still very interested in the concept, the idea behind it, but maybe 
it, it's not so brash. It's not yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> obvious. Yeah, it's um, quite subtle. To, yeah, to be and, and, and I like to play with subtlety now. And I, and I um, think that 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 works better because yeah. you know oh, you, you. <laughs> because because as the viewer, I think you know we have to think. I have to think about what I'm looking at. Whereas mm. if, it, if 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 the soccer rams and stating what it is, then mm. I know straight away. Yeah, but there's some kind of subtlety. I suppose in, in a way, you know, in the mystery of yeah. I suppose with the ransom notes. Um, you know, uh, they could be seen as a, a one-liner, and obviously, yeah, I, I yeah. didn't want to be the artist who paints Manson notes for the rest a, of her career. Or, or a one-trick pony. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> good one. So yes, but so it, it it's changed. Yeah. But as I say, I think the last fifteen years, it would be, I think the works, it's it's all based on on different ideas. But I think if it was it all together. It yeah. would, you know, there would be definite threads that link yeah. what I do together. I so, mm. that's right. And I know that one of those um, threads, uh, you know, you've got two other paintings um, on Art UK's website. Oh, yes. Um, and Art yeah. UK are a registered charity and mm. they list uh, Britain's public art collections yes. yeah. on, on their site. And... Um, and you've got two paintings in the Jonathan. I have to get this right. <laughs> the Jonathan Vickers collection. Is yes, that right? That's right. Yes. Um, and one of those is one in a million. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So um, those two paintings are uh, in that collection because in two thousand seven eight, um, I was awarded the Jonathan Vickers Award, which was a, a residency and teaching fellowship. And um, it was, I think, um, it's every two years they award this this prize. Um, and it's run by a, a charity, Derbyshire Community Foundation, who manage um, a legacy that's been left to them, that, you know, um, in trust to support artists um, so uh, this money was was gifted by um, somebody called Jonathan Vickers um, and he was a passionate collector of, of art and craft um, so this residency was an academic year and I had the freedom uh, to uh, make a body of work for exhibition at the end of that um, and there was part of it was a teaching fellowship so I, I taught I think 25 days into the fine art program but ma mainly it was uh, working in a lovely studio and working towards uh, an exhibition and the connection uh, when I applied and wrote my proposal and they have slightly different ways of approaching this award but um, this particular year it was about the people and places of Derby or su the surrounding area. So I, I took that quite literally. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so the the show that I I put on at the end was called Skimming the Surface. So again, I was there photographing um, people in the city centre, in the shopping centre. I'm um, literally skimming the surface. I I felt you know I'd never been to Derby before. Put in this place to make artwork. And you did my usual sort of surveillance work, so almost became like the voyeur, if you like, and uh, just used to walk around the city centre taking photographs. I would film, just take, I had a very basic digital camera, and I used to take um, 
simple just to make simple films on them but I wouldn't even be looking I wouldn't be looking through the viewfinder I just used to be holding it at waist height and just walking around and didn't have a camera in front of my face so um, the piece that you're speaking about there which is called one in a million that comes from another piece I made on that residency which is called um, constellation and it's uh, an in, what I call, it's a, a painting installation so it's made up of I think it's 56 small canvases that are, I think, 12 and a half centimetres square. And they're laid out in a very particular way. So they've almost got a grid-like core and then they sort of disperse out, if you like. So to get um, all of these paintings are portraits. But what I did was I took, I took faces from the shopping crowd or in the shopping centre and um, zoomed into, into that photograph or into that, that film footage, um, you know, using very basic methods, you know, snap, uh, taking a snapshot of my computer screen, you know, so a very, very low resolution and making paintings. And, you know, that you couldn't, from, from the footage I had, it wasn't, it wasn't clear. So it, it reminded me of CCTV footage. It was, you know, fuzzy kind of um, material to use. Um, you know, and I, I sort of felt like this voyeur, you know, <laughs> collecting this information, like a CCTV camera or something. But so um, painted all these portraits. And so it's very fleet, fleeting glimpses, of people walking around, you know, there's one person smoking a cigarette or, you know, but um, they're not exactly monochrome, but they're, they're almost monochrome. Um, and they, they come together to make this um, series of work. Um, so um, the one in a million piece is I took one of those portraits and painted it a hundred times the size of um, the small portrait. So I think it's 125 centimeters square. So, and scaled, scaled that up. So a painting that hasn't got a lot of detail and scaled it up again. Um, so that, that's where that's, that's from. But what's really interesting about that piece, which I found interesting actually when, when, when people were viewing it and looking at it, is that, and I think it's part of the human condition, that people want to recognise the familiar. Mm. And I had so many people on different occasions saying, oh, that looks like so-and-so, oh, that's is that Amy Winehouse, or... Is that JFK or that's my neighbour, you know, or that's and yet really, you know, it was from unrecognisable yeah. source material. So yeah. I think we have got that thing, haven't we, that's built in that we're yeah. that face recognition, yeah, if you yeah, like. Yeah. Um mm. even Facebook can do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, algorithm but things, how people yeah. you know, mm. see the familiar. Yeah. Or or I suppose it's like people seeing monsters in clouds or something, or yeah. faces in clouds, or faces in the moon. But it was a remarkable amount of people that were convinced that they were either superstars or famous people, and which I thought was a nice connection because the piece was called Constellation, and I kind of like this idea. <laughs> it was made up of these little stars, you know, um, in terms of fame, if you like. But that they were just people off the streets unrecognizable to me or so and so but I, I kind of mm. I like that so that's yeah. that's why I, I took I took just one of them it's called one in a million and, and blew it up 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And one of the, that's in the collection, part of the residency um, was that, um, it, it was it was lovely, it was fully funded, but part of that is that um, some of the pieces were donated into the collection to make a, uh, you know, to, to make a legacy in a, a collection. Yeah. So that that's why, mm. ah, okay. <laughs> that's where they're, yeah. they're from. Um, yeah, so. yeah, and what you're saying about recognising the familiar, um, mm. there's an artist that I know called Fiona Robertson, she's a London-based artist, and she, again, she uses a lot of um, like found imagery, she would use her okay. own photographs, and she did a whole series of, um, of female faces, okay. just like yeah. sort of random, you know, yeah. and tiny, tiny, and I was looking at them the other day, and one looked like... Christine Keeler, who mm-hmm. um, was involved yes. in the p- perfumer affair, yeah. and I said, "Oh, that looks a bit like Christine." And it did to me. It looked like yeah. Christine Keeler. And again, what you were saying about yeah. wanting, you know, it's it's almost as if we need to recognise the familiar yeah. in clouds yeah. or you know or faces. And I yeah. think that you've you've touched on that, and, and I think in a lot of your work, like mm-hmm. like the road series, yes. for yeah. example, and and looking at one now, it's um, it's a it's it's a very um, it's a lane. Uh, a road lane that, that creeps mm. down into a deserted, or what appears to be a, de- a deserted forest, yeah. where it's very dark and um, quite quite scary. Yeah. And you were saying how people have said, "Oh, I wonder if there's a murder going on down yeah, there." Yeah, it's interesting because this is this piece here we're looking at is still in in progress. It's it's almost there, so it's you know my very latest work, if you like, and. Um, I haven't shown it to many people, but I, I've shown a, a couple of people um, that I know and, and trust, and you know, it's interesting what, what kind of comments you get from that, that, that obviously, you know, evokes some kind of narrative yeah. that actually isn't in the painting. Yeah, that was so, my immediate reaction yeah, when I saw it. So th- this particular painting, well I suppose if I, if I go back, um, you know, before, before this idea, if you like, I, I did a whole, another series of road paintings and they're actually from the perspective of sitting in the car um, so that's this is kind of like an extension uh, of that idea really but this is a, a country track mm. <laughs> in the woods so with the road paintings um, a- again uh, photography's got an important part to play um, I'd be very hard p- pushed to be sat in a car and be making a painting so mm. obviously to to be able to put myself in that position that you're you're a driver or a passenger in, in a car, you know, and it's the paintings are from that perspective, and I suppose I like the idea um, of painting something that is a very common experience for people, very common activity. You know, most people have been sat in a car, and a lot of these paintings are set at dusk, um, so it's starting to to get dark, and you know that the, the the silhouettes of the tree, you know, they're silhouetted and it's getting a bit dark and dreary and it's, I, I, there's nothing in the paintings that suggest where they are, so there's, there's no road signage, um, I think there's only probably one that has a building in it, um, but most of them are like motorways or A roads, but, um, and pretty deserted, mm, yeah. um, and there's no clue to where that place is, mm. but again, I really love um, you know, when I've spoken to people that are viewing the work, how um, people bring their own narratives to that. Oh, oh, I know, you know, I know where that is. That's the A34. I remember driving there and one night, and oh, you know, it was deserted. And or other people sharing their experiences of a 
perhaps a, a road journey where it's evoked that a, a memory mm. for mm. them. Yeah. But I'm not saying, you know, okay, I'm offering a painting that's an experience of driving down a road, but I'm quite interested in how that opens up narrative and how the audience bring a narrative to that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and how they're, they're quite filmic, I suppose. We're quite. That's where we're quite used to seeing that mm. kind of image. Yeah, in film. It's true. F film you know, either you know, you get the you get the camera that's that's photographing or filming the driver, yeah, and then you get the opposite camera that's, that's showing right. the yeah, road. And it's true. it's quite often used in film. Most in famously film. in you know, quite famously used in Psycho, and uh, yeah, you know, really so that right. kind of yeah. thing. So it's something that we're very used to seeing in in film. Yeah, and probably. In painting, yeah, but yeah. it's that fact that you can, you know, through obviously yeah. using uh, I use you know mainly my smartphone. You know, you're a passenger in a car, and you're you're right in in the centre of the action, mm. if you like. And um, what about these night paintings? Are these photographs that you've taken, or are they yes, found? they are. Yeah. Yes. So um, again, I I obviously I know the location. I don't feel the need to say where the location is. It's kind of irrelevant, but. What's interesting, I, I think that, um, so the very dark wooded scene and uh, with a very strong light source, in this case it is actually headlamps, um, but it, it could be a torch. Um, but I suppose uh, there's this idea that because it's dark, because it's night, mm. because perhaps of, again, films that we've watched again, or, or, or horror or crime, movies or crime, or crime, or crime scenes, series. Yeah. Yeah. If you saw this place in the day, this would be a beautiful, you know, it's a beauty spot. But suddenly, perception might change. That you know, suddenly you're you're in a very dark woods with this light source. Um, but I'm not bringing my story to that. I'm just offering that, and I'm just quite interested in you know, bringing something that looks like it might may or may not have a definite narrative. <laughs> That something may have just happened or might be about to happen. Yeah, yeah. But it, ha it has that tension to yeah. it, I think. And, um, you know, I like working yeah. in that. Um, some of the paintings I've made in the past, where um, they quite often, on first look, might look like something quite beautiful. Or, but then again, you know, and this is sort of feedback that I've got from people from viewing the work that, that actually, oh, I feel that something may be a little bit sinister. In this. So I've got a painting, um, it's called For a Second, and it, it's a girl, in the, it's one of my spliced <laughs> pieces, so it's been made of, of, I think it was three separate photographic images, um, uh, made, I think all three were from my own sources, um, but there's a girl, you know, it's like a fairy tale for sat in in the woods blowing bubbles and at first glance you might think oh look that one's a bit pretty but it there is something just there that's a little bit i don't know but it's not it's not over the top it's just subtle um and i think that happens with some of these paintings as well it's there's just a slight so subtle unease and yeah and i and i think it, there's also something very quite psychological about it mm. because Almost like the uh, you know the block paintings, mm -hmm. the viewers asked to, well, well I guess you know we are when we go into galleries, but we're we're invited to to what our immediate reaction is, mm -hmm. and yeah, if someone might have a different view view to me when mm -hmm. they 
when they see yeah. the you know the painting yeah. you know what what first pops into our minds and you were saying earlier that it's got to do with what we see on film mm-hmm. myths that we might have or you know fairy mm-hmm. tales um crime crime series mm-hmm. and that sort of thing yeah girl blowing bubbles could be yeah a bit, a bit sinister maybe too yeah um yeah so kind of like playing playing with that yeah about something mm. you know i've tried to paint this painting in a I suppose <laughs> it's a bit of an unfashionable word, I know, <laughs> but in I suppose quite a beautiful way. If yeah, you like. I think so, but yeah. I think it yeah. has, you know, it's got something else. Mm, it does beyond yeah. It, yeah. the beauty of it. Mm, and, um, it does. And I think if I didn't paint it like that, it might not have that feel. So, mm. um, yeah, yeah. It's lovely. And what are you working on in the studio right now? So you've got this you've got one of your I don't know let's call them the I mean what are they called the night uh, night, <laughs> night paintings or yeah actually road, um they're part of the road series aren't yeah, they yeah they the... are so um it's very new uh so this is the second one it's nearly complete it's going to be again part of a series I've been collecting the source material for this actually for I've, you know I've had the source material for a good two three years maybe um you know, I don't always, I'm not always able to catch up with my ideas or they might be put on the back burner. So actually, they're so new, I don't know really what they're going to be called. <laughs> I haven't got a title for them yet. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is where this is where I'm at right at this very minute. Yeah. Um, but I've also, at the same time, along with this, been making the drawings, the graffiti drawings that um, you've seen um, there. But um, again... I don't know, they're not particularly, I suppose they're connected but not entirely connected, but this is where I am sort of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, these um, these uh, sketchbook drawings, I think I've got one on my Twitter page, it's called The End, mm-hmm. and it's of a graffiti, it's a shot, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a photograph that you've taken yeah. of graffiti mm-hmm. and of... Um, like street, you know, such yeah. sites. There's, there's a great one here, and it's, um, it's the type of sign that you would see on, um, on wires that's uh-huh. owned by that's pub- that's publicly owned, and it says uh, danger of death if interfered with, and then it's got <laughs> danger sign. Yeah. But it's, it's just to me again, you know, you're playing with that idea of of language, text, mm-hmm. image. And yeah. um, and without seeing without seeing the image and without seeing the drawing, um, you know, it becomes quite humorous, doesn't it? Danger of death of interfering yeah, with Yeah, which which is which is the strange. human condition. <laughs> yeah, which is the human um, condition essentially. Yeah. You know, um, the, <laughs> so the danger actually, of death of interfering. I mean, yeah. that could relate to so many different things. Yeah. Like like yeah, I mean, the human life is mm-hmm. is very precious and yeah. it is very. Um, fleeting at times mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and I suppose with a lot um I mean most of the f- source material for those drawings and they're an on- ongoing um I think uh came from I think I spent I don't know it was in the winter it was a, quite a nice day and I went out for a, a walk in my neighborhood with my camera and walked through the park and walked I live quite near the football ground and walked near uh, Fratton Park, the um, Portsmouth football ground, and um, sort of 
started taking pictures of and then and I was drawn to the text and but um, one in particular there's two in particular that I, I, I really like because one's midlife crisis and the other one's the end um, because that that's taking that and taking it out of context it, it's far more interesting to me I have you know obviously some of the images have got the tags of uh, graffiti tags you know um, but actually <laughs> find uh, you know, when I find a piece of graffiti, it says midlife crisis or the end, or yes. you know, I find that really, really interesting. So then I, you know, I, I zoomed into the image, and you know, yes, it's graffiti. It's sort of out of context, and I kind of feel that depending if I was to show those, depending on what order they were put on on the wall, that they actually might have a narrative eventually or mm, have a yeah, story to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that's how they've come about mm. so do, do you think that you take these into paintings or do you I actually uh, think that they're quite nice as drawings to be yeah honest. I did there is a small painting yeah. um but I I actually like them as, as drawings yeah, actually and I think that nice. they will remain as drawings I mean I, who knows but I, at the moment I I think yeah I like them as the drawings mm. there and you've and yeah. you've got this um quite large painting here um I forget the title, but you've just finished it. Yeah, you, this it, one? it's called Ghost. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, quite a battle with this one actually. Um, so, again, it's um, it's a, a a discarded car that I have photographed many times, different times of year, different uh, weather um, situations, in rain and sun. Um, and I just think it's quite poignant. You've got again. I've I've zoomed quite a long way in, into the image. That there's this old car, and you you know, and it's got all these um, stinging nettles growing out of it and around it, and it's you know, there's no wheels, there's no tires left, and you know, it's rusting, and it's kind of like an empty shell, a ghost, uh, and it you know, and you think if you. <laughs> sounds a bit daft but if you know you start to see this car as a, as a character if you like it or where did it go what are the who are the people that I just get this feeling of you know wanting to know who the people are who who drove this car who owned this car who put it here how many owners has it had where's it been um, and here it is as a ghost um, just left sort of rotting if you like um, it's got these. Yeah. Um, are they what are they? St are they stinging? They're nettles? stinging nettles, yeah. but I've kind of painted them. <laughs> at the kind of, just, I've just chose. I don't know. I just had this thing that they had to be low and yellow, and that they've got this kind of radioactive <laughs> kind of, look yeah, about really, them. Really, really it's almost like, like yellow. Oh, I don't know. You can always. I don't know. I kind of imagine that you could <laughs> stumble across something like this in Chernobyl, and maybe, yeah. <laughs> and maybe the stinging nettles are radioactive, or you know it. I, I don't know, I just suppose I just wanted to, um, yeah, I, I kind of like that, I suppose, because the shadow that's cast, you know, it's, it's very much using, like, complementary colours there, and, and I just felt it worked with this mm. <laughs> very heightened sort of colour, mm, but, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. yeah, but it, yeah, it's, it took, took a while, that one, yeah, um, to come it's, together, it's, yeah, um, yeah, but it's, 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 it's been painted this year, it's, it's fairly new, um, yeah, um, and I, I think it, I think it fits, again, it, it's a standalone painting, this one, it's not in, not in series, but I think it has 
those some of the same sentiment it has some of the same threads and yeah. the same things I think you know it, it would you know it doesn't stand out as being you know um do you think it? Do you think it could form part of a series then, um, or are you happy for it to be like a standalone work? Yeah, I might. I think this one might be a standalone work. Mm. I mean, I've got, I've got lots of, I've got lo- loads of photographic source material in this car, <laughs> and actually some, some other cars. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, it could be a series <laughs> because I have other cars in my arsenal of photographs. So um, it may be, but I think I, I've got distracted by going back to these yeah. lanes. So it might take a while for me to go back to that. But I, I've certainly, it, it's on the back burner and it's certainly something that um, I have thought about. Um, again, it's a case of me not being able to um, keep pace of mm. my ideas. So. Mm. I have to go with what I've been distracted by and just go with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so who, who are your favourite artists, historical and... Con- okay. well, historical and or contemporary in the yeah. world? Like, which, who are the artists that have influenced your work, do you think? Yeah, that's... that's um, yeah, well, if I stick to the, the ones that have influenced my work, because... Um, there are many, many, many artists that I admire that work in many, many different ways. Mm. You know? um, I, I um, enjoy all sorts of kind of artwork, but I think probably a really, really obvious one would have to be Gerhard Richter, I've mentioned yeah. him before. Um, I, I just find um, his work incredible, his body of work incredible. Um, I think, you know, I think back perhaps when I was at art school and, and perhaps it wasn't totally encouraged to be using photography and yet here we've got an artist, very prominent artist, been working for a very long time using photographic sources, mm-hmm. um, uh, using cutouts from newspapers, but then you know doing everything because also making a whole body, hundreds and hundreds of abstract paintings, in actual fact you know whatever you can possibly think of yeah. to paint, I guess he's probably done it. So yeah. I mean that's yeah, probably that's a, a really obvious yeah. one and obviously um, very we, prominent contemporary painter, and, but we, and we saw his um, his exhibition yesterday, didn't we? When we yeah, were in we did. So um, the new John Hansard Gallery. It's there. So, so it's a new gallery and was moved to a new premises in Southampton, and it's their their first show. Um, so they have the Gerhard Richter, but um, there is a little bit of figuration in there. But on, on the whole, it's mainly sort of abstract work, isn't it? But very very beautiful. Um, and then, of course, we saw the George Shaw at the City Art Museum. Um, you know, I, I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and then we went back together to see that. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. it's got a quiet connection it does, to one painting at the yeah, moment. And yeah, I didn't really, I, I mean, so. I'm very aware of George Shaw's work. I've followed his work for a long time and um, really enjoy his work. Uh, but this was the tour that went with the residence he had at the National Gallery. That's, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. And unbeknownst to me, <laughs> there's all these scenes in in the woods yeah uh, I, I didn't know he was working on um uh so yeah i think it was a, a really great exhibition to see right now but i think my current one of my current favorites i'm like looking at a lot is justin mortimer um i absolutely think uh, i saw his work for the first time maybe two three years ago um and I absolutely, I think it's fantastic. I, I feel very inspired by it in a way. And uh, again, he's using photographic sources, and he he's um, 
he's actually splicing images together as well, and but he does it incredibly well. Um, and I, I yeah, stumbled across his work say a couple of years ago, and um, you know I'm looking at those a lot. But he uses um, oh, some fantastic color combinations, you know, so some some from really dark to really quite acid and fascinating um, paintings. And I'm also very interested in Borrowman's work as well. I think he's um, a fantastic artist. There's, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware, and Elizabeth McGill, but I'm, I'm aware that I'm speaking about them, obviously very figurative painters. Mm, yeah. But obviously there's many, many other yeah. <laughs> artists that I enjoy, but that, that yeah. would be sort of where I feel that there's, there's links and, you know, um, oh, I think it's quite, quite interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you very much, Natalie. Okay, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. I'm sure yeah. I've got so much more that I I can say, but um, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank like, you oh, for. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, thank you for inviting me to one of your podcasts. Opening at the No Format Gallery in London in October.